Welcome back to another edition of the Proud Podcast this week. I'm joined by Bertie. Hey, how's it going? And Forty. Hey, hey, hey. And your host, Hamish, back from the wilderness. I, I put myself on a, uh, on a social media detox for a week and also a football band too. Um, so we'll be looking to Bertie and to Forty to provide a review of the Manly game because I didn't watch it and I'm not going to watch it. Um, so <laughs> 56-10 Manly win. Uh, try scorers Optic and Wanga Blake. And then looking at the stats, just the tale of why we got flogged. 57% to 43 80% completion to 66 Manly running for an extra 600 metres, 14 line breaks to one, 35 tackle breaks to 13. Uh, average play the ball speed looks like they've stopped doing decimals now, so it's four seconds, mainly three seconds for the Eels. And then you just have to look at defence. We made almost an extra 100 tackles. Funnily enough, only 35 missed tackles to 13. Yeah, the, the tackle efficiency rate was actually surprising. Bin. Yeah, I guess we weren't so high up on the missed tackles because we just went out. Went near the actual, yeah, exactly. You know, that's a a rather blackly humorous part of it is that you can't get counted for a missed tackle if you're not in the vicinity. Um, But on the run meters list, Makahesi Makatoa with 124. So I guess that's a positive. um, But Birdie, what do you have to set a game? Yeah, this, Um, uh, Birdie, you can can start off with it, mate. No, I thought you said Birdie, but it's all good. You go ahead. Uh, this was a game we were never in. We didn't touch the ball for the first 10 minutes. It was like that game against the Roosters going back to 2017, I think, when Latrell scored a couple of tries for, against us, and it was just literally possession, possession, possession for the for the other team, and they just went try, try, and then repeat set or something like that. So we, we were never in it after talking a big talk during the week, unfortunately. And then uh, on top of that, there was just uh, the compounding facet of all those fundamental errors that have haunted us over the last three weeks prior and then it just it went even worse. Michael Oldfield had the worst club debut perhaps ever. Um, I know some people brought up Justin Hunt's debut, and this is arguably even worse. And, you know, just across the park, I think the only the – I don't know about you, but the only players I counted as having even just a decent game, like not even a good game, but even a decent game, I went Wunga Blake. I thought Dylan Brown was actually okay. And then uh, off the bench, Makassi Makatoa was probably the best player by some margin for us, the, the late uh, rookie. So it was a very, very tough game. Um, middle forwards had zero impact or less than zero. There was a number of really inopportune errors. I think Nathan Brown had one where Joey Lussick threw him a garbage ball. He dropped it, and that was on Lussick, and then we're on the attack in that particular circumstance. And then the next possession, Brown just dropped it cold himself. So a lot of core players having bad games. Mitchell Moses looked a little bit panicked this game. like He was trying to pick up the slack for everyone else, and that led to him making some unforced errors. He dropped the ball in the last, trying to do a clearing kick. He dropped the ball running it down the right edge. Uh, and that's another thing worth mentioning is that the halves actually swapped at times during this game uh, back to the edges they've been playing at previously or prior to 2021. But yeah, this is one of those games that you sort of just look at the, the review, the file, and you just burn it. There's there's nothing good you can get out of this. There is nothing instructive to come out of a loss like this. I mean, like, the, the one... I mean, you can say that, but, like, if, if I'm Brad Arthur, I'd be embarrassing a lot of them because we've got a guy making his debut, or a 28-year-old, he's, he's, he's a reserve-grade player, right? And he's running, he's outrunning all of them. Like this is a dude who's literally he's playing for his, you know, his career. You know, he he needs the money to take home. And then you got these superstar wannabe players that are just, you know, that's fair. I, I, I that is fair. This is definitely there is an opportunity to put the the entirety of the core playing group on blast here because we've, we've mentioned the core players in previous weeks, but letting this team down. And again, you know, you looked at guys like Gufferson having a bad game. Junior Paul was completely ineffective. Mitchell Moses tried too hard, which led to the errors. Uh, Dylan Brown, I thought was decent, not great, but decent. He 
uh, set up a nice try for Wonga Blake uh, late in the piece to get the uh, final points of the game. And I thought in general was looking a little bit better, but still, you know, nowhere near a superstar performance from him. Um, and like we mentioned, uh, Nathan Brown, Ryan Madison did set up a nice try, but also got sent off. Uh, Murata Niakore had a real brain fade that led to us being to 11 men, and beyond that, didn't have much of an impact. So, yeah, got core players across the park, again, letting them down. So there is definitely some merit to the idea, Bertie, that you you know, you know do your review, you put these players on bar, on blast, you embarrass them, you know, you let them know that this isn't this isn't good enough. But I think after that, though, you sort of want to move on from this game because if you end up harping on this game too much, it just leads you further down that downward spiral. Yeah. Um, with Dylan Brown... Uh maybe playing a little bit better in that game. Is that some sort of indication that he probably shouldn't have been switched from the left to the right? Like, I think we've seen this season that, that the whole purpose behind that was personnel and for him to sort of strengthen up that right edge defensively. But from the course of the season, especially these last couple of weeks, it seems that rather than person, just a solely personnel, it's, it's definitely structure that up and in defence just doesn't work in the yeah. NRL anymore and it hasn't for a number of years. Yeah, the, it's clear that both structurally and also some of the actual individual, like the micro-level decisions from defenders have been contributing to it. But I think structurally, it's pretty fair to say at this point that the up and in is just dead, isn't it? So uh, the, the club needs to find, and it's not easy, but they need to find a way to transition to something new uh, before the finals. Uh, but on top of that, I think... You I just, think it'll take an off-season. Well, you've you got to find some sort of compromise. So you got you got to be able to show a different look defensively in the meantime. Uh one way or another. And you can't do a complete overhaul because that is what exactly what you said, Hamish. It needs a preseason's worth of work at the very least, uh, plus trials and all that sort of stuff to get into some sort of new shape. But they've got to find something, a compromise some way, somehow. But on top of that, I feel it, you didn't see the tape, but you know, even given the the issues we've had with the structure of the defense, defense, it, it, what we're going with the up and in, guys like Michael Oldfield, Bertie, he, he just made some terrible decisions regardless of the structure, didn't he? Like the, I mean, like there's one... So the try that Turbo sets up where he literally throws it to Sully, right? Flings he runs up and he just um he just standing there. He's literally in the back line with Manly watching it. Mm. And in my head I'm thinking, all right, so you rush up, you either make contact with the guy or you go for the intercept. That's the only two reasons you rush up. Why are you rushing up into space to join the attack the back line? And look, we can say it's one of the worst debuts ever. But at the end of the day, you know, Hayes does Hayes does it, Fergo does it, like Sivo even did it. Sivo was look look, Sivo I hate to admit it, he's a reserve grade player. What else does he do? He just finishes tries, and you he's, know, like he's an all star caliber talent in terms of what he can do. But the way he's playing and his mentality and approach, I agree, Bertie. He he should be playing reserve grade. But see, and like people are like, oh, it's just attitude. Well, attitude is also part of uh, being a first grade. Just because you got talent doesn't mm-hmm. mean you're a guaranteed starter. You got to work hard. Like for God's sake, can you imagine if um have Hayes had his size? Like you know, Hayes is he's he's, he's a smaller guy. He's taking heat ups like. Sivo has to get in there from dummy half and help us. Not just sit on the not just sit on the wing, collect your paycheck and score tries and finish off all the hard work we do. Get in there, you know, roll up your sleeves and work your ass off because at the end of the day, we need help. We're we're, we're in a slump and this needs a collective uh, help. We need everyone chipping in, not just you sitting at the end finishing the tries because at the end of the day, I think maybe the ego got to him. Look at how many times we cheer his name and what does he do? What does he got? For, what does he got to show for it? Just to score tries, like. It's it's frustrating because, as I said, we've got a bunch of superstar wannabes in the team and not enough uh, hard workers. And, yeah, I just, yeah, the old field, you got to, look, if we don't see him again, that's that's that's, that's enough. You can't you can't hammer the guy even more. But, uh, man, I don't know. I'm lost it's for just words. just as well as that up and in, 
that up and in defence with the personnel you have on the wings. We don't have a speedy winger. And, and I think it's shown at least the last couple of weeks that, you know, Fergo and Sivo, they have the turning circle of the Queen Mary to, um, to, to turn around and, and chase on the outside. And I assume on the weekend, Saab burnt them on the outside a couple of times. And I wouldn't be surprised if Tom Trevojevic did as well. Um, it's just... The whole defensive most is most of the damage was done, def- done down the other wing. Saab was up against Sivo. Uh, so Sivo, barring at one moment where it was okay. free, free on free on the goal line, and he just had just had the trust that Wong would make take his man, and instead he came in. Um, that w- actually wasn't like a jam situation. He just made a terrible read. Uh, but yeah, the, the other side just got eviscerated. Oldfield got absolutely destroyed by uh, who is the winger on that side? Garrick. Garrick. See, that's stupid, yeah. right? We know, we know that their speedsters on the wing. We know Adakai's got speed. Alex Johnson's got speed. So we know us fans who are the quick wingers. And, like, the players have got to know, hang on, we've got to be on the back foot. Just like, it's like when we come up against a storm, it's like as if they go, hang on a sec, is that a car fast or not? Like, I don't, like, we know Saab, all their tries this year, and, and, and every fantasy owner knows this, if you have Saab in your team or Turbo, you know, they just fling it out to the wide, he runs around people, doesn't run through them, right, runs around them, and just cuts it back in. So that's why I don't understand, like, is, is, it just, is that coaching, or is that just dumb IQ out there? I mean, that's the million-dollar question. Hard to differentiate. And, and once again, we're not privy to what the game plan and game preparation is. So maybe there was a more broadly encompassing plan uh, on both sides of the ball, but the players didn't execute. I know that on the media call today, Mitchell Moses and Quinton Garveson both took some or took significant ownership of the loss, saying that it's been on the players not executing uh, less than the coaches. And they feel like the coaches have pre- prepared them, you know, uh, in, a, in a good way for these games. But how, how much of that is, you know, PR spin and, and just trying to, you know, take responsibility because in the end the players are the most responsible parties for these efforts because we're seeing fundamental issues like we're talking about possession we're talking about basic execution so that's where it's on the players but like we said the defensive structure at the very least that's on the coaches and that's something that needs to be addressed and and even from the outside looking in and not being privy to all the inner workings that is something that fans like you said Hamish have been calling out for for some time and and the Eels were able to execute it and get away with it for a long time but now the the roosters really come home to new, uh, to to roost there, and they need to find a new uh, new way. Yeah, are you thinking uh, defensive assistant? Like I'm I'm happy to give BA. He's got one year left. next year. Um, happy to give him you know at least until next year. But I think we really need to look at the assistants. Like no offense to Kidwell, but he hasn't exactly shown many results in all his time coaching. Um, do you think we really need to get somebody? In for a defensive-minded coach? I think that'll be a major, part of, a major part of the review, assuming that the Eels don't part ways of Arthur, is that they'll look at a structural change underneath him. And that that's, you know, the wheelhouse of Mark O'Neill, right? That's why you have a GM of footy, is he's, you know, be entasked or entrusted with the responsibilities to go out and find the right minds, whether it's a Jason Taylor for offense or, you know... A, the, the defensive gurus in the NRL are a little bit less well-known because no one, no one cares about defense until your team starts bleeding 30-plus points four weeks in a row. Uh, so that obviously there's going to be some sort of defensive equivalent there. And yeah, I, I think that is very much up for grabs uh, insofar as where you make changes. If, you, if you're not replacing Brad, because I'm, I'm like you, Hamish, I'm, I'm fine for Brad to see out his contract. I feel that if you're going to move on from Brad, we've articulated this before, you move on from Brad, you've got to make sure it's a definitive upgrade. Uh, and there's a lot of those guys that aren't in the NRL. So, uh, but you know, if you're not moving on from Brad, you need to have some sort of change. And I think the assistant coaches are a prime opportunity to uh, innovate a little bit. Well, we're going to find out what what is Brad Arthur? Is he a defensive coach or is he an attacking mining coach? Because at the end of the day, he has to pick one and he focus on that. Then he gets someone else to focus on the other one because there's none of this being half ass. Oh, I'm attack, I'm defense. Like Magic Maguire, he was signed for the Tigers to be a defensive, right? To fix the defense. So we need to figure out what is Brad Arthur best at. 
and then help him with the other side because he clearly can't do both. Because, as I said a couple of weeks ago, we got one of the most creative halves in the league, right? And yet our attack is predictable. Like, that's why I just... And, like, you look at Kidwood, like, who, look at all the defensive coaches we've had in the past or assistant coaches Brad Arthur's had under the past, right? Like, Kidwood came in for a replacement for someone who got sacked, like... I just feel as though, and, and like people say, if you're not gonna, you're not gonna sack Brad Arthur until you get something better. Well, I don't, I hate to sit, stay and stick with Brad Arthur because there's nothing better. I'd rather take a gamble on someone else, right? Because we know what we're getting with Brad Arthur, and if you expect a different result, that's just insanity. So, look, Brad Arthur has to improve. He has to, you know, mix it up a bit because if he's just giving us the same vanilla shit every time, you know, we've had it. We want something new. We want, you know, we want, we yeah, want to win but games. Sometimes, like. sometimes it's better the devil you know, Bertie. Right, you got to be careful for those sort of decisions. And we're not saying go out and extend Brad Arthur to a three-year extension here. Mm-hmm. Hamish is saying just let him see out the next year, make some moves underneath him and see if he can reinvigorate the team around that. Because if you go out and sign a Cameron Serrato to a three- or four-year contract and give him the executive authority he's going to demand, because he's going to come in, whoever takes over from the Parramatta Reels is going to have a very strong position to bargain with because we're moving on from a coach that was eight-year tenured, got us to the top four multiple times in, in, across three years, and we're getting rid of him. So whoever coming in is going to have a lot of bargaining power. So you've got to be careful what you give away there. And it is very easy to go from a, a coach that makes you a top four contender, and, and maybe Brad isn't the guy to get us to the premiership. That's you know very much a possibility now. But it's very easy to go back to being a, a, either a bottom eight or bottom four team very quickly if you've got the wrong guy there. And you know we look, look, oh, yeah. at, look at Garth Brennan, was touted as the next super coach coming out of Penrith because he dominated the reserve grades, goes to the Gold Coast Titans and completely you know shits the bed there and, and they go backwards. And yeah. now people are saying Cameron Serraldo, who's also coming from that dominant Penrith system, you know, a, a place where they've had they've literally just been pumping out all star juniors for five years now. So it's it's the opposite of a poison chalice, right? They've they've got like this gilded chalice they're drinking from at Penrith, and maybe that you know covers up some of their uh, coaching flaws. So if you do move out, if you do move away from Brad Arthur, it's fine. You just got to make sure it's the right guy. You've got to be very confident of it. I mean. Like sooner, without recycling old coaches like Flano and and all these players, you got to take a punt on someone. You got to give them a chance. Like you, ne- you never know what's going to happen. Like at the end of the day, Roosters took a punt on Trent Robinson, right? Look what happened. I'm just saying, like if 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 Brad Arthur doesn't look, we we what has changed since last year? Attack and defense. Like and I just it, every year, if it's the same stuff over and over, like maybe you know a, a new new coach can get refreshed to join. But I just look, I'm having doubts whether or not Brad Arthur can do it. That's, I mean, that, that's, that's fair. You, you don't go through a month of football having losses we yeah. do without raising significant question marks. So uh, I have no issues with any fans challenging uh, the coaching, the players, any sort of structures in the club at the moment because they're not being good enough. Uh, mm. Just m- mine is a cautionary tale of that the grass isn't always greener making those big moves. And I'd, be, I'd, I'd at least be interested, assuming that we can get some sort of turnaround before the end of the season, in uh, renovating the assistant coaching ranks before sacking a coach 12 months out of his contract and then going with an unproven option. So I'd, I'd yeah. give him, I'd give him that twelve months with the the new look or the new minds on the job, and then make a, an informed decision. You know, halfway through next year, if if you need to. But yeah, that that was a long shot. Right, yeah, and <laughs> we weren't good enough. Yeah, I was just going to say because one one of the things from a head coach is you know getting players up for the game, and obviously that hasn't happened um, for a couple of weeks now. We've been very flat um, coming out. So I don't know if that's a change up to the Gold Coast. You know, it seemed to. This transition's occurred since everybody was relocated up there, and that's not an excuse, but just maybe a symptom. Uh, I mean, it's a reason, but not an excuse, right? And, and it makes sense that you know, unfortunately, we're just one of the teams that was more impacted by the move than others, and they, they weren't mentally resilient enough away from their well, their families initially, but just from the the familiarity of home. So, and obviously, Bank West. Yep. Yes. Um. So rather unfortunate, but um, I, I some people don't think it. 
it's the uh, the hotel room size uh, having the impact. Uh, shout out to Hayes Dunster for his cheeky little Instagram as well. <laughs> maybe his- maybe balcony means something in journal- journalism school. Maybe it means like something something different because look, like, I-, I made a post. Like I, look, if I for me, if I was there, I'd be. I'd rather give a big. If that was true, and there's big rooms for you know certain people, not I'd give the big room to families and that need it. Like I'm but not, you, not gonna. You count on the players to figure that out among themselves, wouldn't you? Like how yeah, well, how hard would it be to swap keys and say, you know what, uh, uh, Murata, you've got you know a young kid, you can have the big room, and you know me being the single bachelor, I'll go to the smaller rooms, and it, regardless of whether the team management might have screwed up the initial you know outlaying of those rooms, it's and that that's why I tend to think there's nothing too much to that room story, which Hayes Dunster's uh, little social media post sort of pokes fun at, I think. Look, I don't think we're a selfish team. We've got selfish players in our team. Like early this year, we had a fundraiser for one of our players in the squad. And everyone was sharing the link and donating. So, like, I don't think we come across as selfish or egotistical, like, like a bunch of bunch of divas. So, like, that's why I find it's all. I, I think the reality is, you know, obviously defensive structures are an issue, but you you get a couple of losses in a row, including that heartbreaker against Penrith, where we had the chance to upset one of the best teams in the competition uh, when we're both down a key player in uh, Reed Marnie and Nathan Cleary, with Moses having a chance to knock over the winning conversion or penalty shot, and that starts the you know. That's kind of like, oh man, and you sort of dwell on that loss. Then Canberra turn up and play really physical against this, and you know we we actually played okay against Canberra in terms of the the physicality. It was the uh, attacking execution in the red zone that let us down, and then that starts that that spiral. And then you have a bad loss against the Roosters, and then an awful loss against Manly, and all of a sudden confidence is shattered. And sport, mm. sports is very weird like that. You know, once once your confidence is broken, even if you've got a, a very talented team, it can be very hard to dig away or claw your way out of that hole. All right, well, let's move on. Uh- I can't be bothered going through the other games because I don't know about you guys, but I think just about everybody in our tipping comp tipped a perfect round. It's just a, it was yeah, that, no, that or you um, the six again. It was that or you missed the what was it the Warriors game? No, not Warriors game. It was the Sharks Knights game. That was like the fifty fifty. So that was what the well, I got one two. I got four wrong last week. So I don't know who's tipping a, a perfect round. <laughs> I suppose. I mean, you look at the Cowboys Tigers game. That's a little bit of a coin toss. I just realised why I tipped the bad. I I didn't put my tips in, so I got so all the away teams. teams. Yeah, so it was Cowboys, <laughs> Cowboys, Tigers, and Sharks Knights that were the only two really contentious uh, results. If you're tipping yeah. not from the heart of the brain, so obviously not backing Parramatta during the slump. Yes. Um. So yeah, perfect. Uh, but let's go on to some injury news. So Reed Money's confirmed shoulder season. Nate Roach, his knee bruising so bad that he's out for the season. I've there's got to be more, there's got to be more to the injury. That, that there's yeah, no way knee I mean, bruising lasts for three months. There's got to be some sort of ligament or structural damage there, and they just is he even in the bubble? Or is he at home? Good question. I, I don't know who went up with us uh, explicitly because you only had 30 players go up, right? So I'm not yeah. sure who is there that he. I assume he's not if there's 30 players, right? Because the the, the maths on that would be pretty tight because you got guys like Makatoa who aren't part of the top 30 in that team. So like, because if they said, "Oh, he's just at home and he's fully fit," um, then you know our fans, like our fans, can sort of like. You know, be a bit upset because we need a backup hooker, and you know we've got a healthy one in Sydney. So, as I said, knee bruising really that long? Like, yeah. Uh, Blake Ferguson, Carter, round twenty-four. Tom Ovechich, ribs. Uh, sorry, rather ribs. Round twenty-four, twenty-five. And RCG groin. So we're taking him first week of the final. So, um, you know, that form slump comes up. All the injuries just to to add a bit of a insult to injury. Injury to insult. Yeah, the the injury list is actually I'm starting to add up pretty significantly now because you're looking at. Uh, Marnie, Ferguson, Opechik, and Gillard as you know four bona fide starters, and obviously there's a strong argument that Will Penasini should be getting a look in at centre uh, over uh, Tom at the moment, just on form and and some of the stuff in Tom's personal life with his brother's passing. But 
Yeah, that um, the Reg one really hurts. The Reed one really hurts. And Ferguson at his best is a huge loss, but we know Fergo hasn't been at his best for a while, so we sort of you, you don't count that one too much. But yeah, Marnie and Reg, that's really hurting. Mm. All right, well, let's look to the upcoming game. So Parramatta, we've slid down to six. That's what happened to you. Those four games in a row. But taking on the Cowboys are in 14th position. How long has it been since the Cowboys have had a win? Seems like a while. Yeah, they've gone... Uh, yeah, they're in worse form than us. Six, six, is it? Or is it more? What's their form coming into yeah. this game? Yeah, all I can see is it only does the last five games on the RL website, which is all losses. Mm. So um, almost as bad as us. Uh, but let's have a look at this team. No, so sorry. The, the game to take place will be on Saturday, 7.35 p.m., 21st of August. It's on KO, Channel 9, and Foxtel. Um, so let's have a look at that team list. So for the Cowboys at fullback, Valentine Holmes. On the wings, Kyle Felt and Ben Hampton. In the centres, rather, is Assie and Jake Grendel. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, Jake Grenville okay. is um, definitely playing centre this week. So that's a, a matchup we should be exploiting 100%. Um, five eighth and halfback is Scott Drinkwater and Tom Dearden. In the props is France Mo- Francis Molo, Jordan McLean at nine is Reese Robson. Then the second row is Ben Condon and Helam Luki. Owen Hess at lock, Ruben Cotter, Nanai, Dunn, and Gilbert on the bench. These are some made up names, I have to say. <laughs> um, Jason Tamalolo on the extended bench, Broke as well as Tabuai Fado, Holler, and Mokadre. Mosadreki. Sorry, I butchered those. Yeah, Mosadreki. Yeah, um, I haven't seen half these people on that that bench. Yeah, they they've definitely pulled out some of their um, extreme depth for this one. So that's uh, some great names in there too, though. Heal and Lukey. All right, for the Eels at fullback and captain Clint Gutherson on the wings, Makasibo Hayes Dunster returns after he was dropped off the back of his best game so far in first grade. Uh, Will Pettersini, one of Blake in centres in half still ground each month. Forwards, Isaiah Papali'i moves from second row to starting prop with Junior Paulo. Joey Lusick at nine. Second row is Sean Lane. Around there, Corey at lock is Nathan Brown. Interchanges: Will Smith, Bryce Cartwright, Oregon Kavusi, and Makahesi Makatoa. The extended bench is Raymond Stone, Keegan Hipgrave, Sean Russell, and Jake Arthur. So it looks like we'll probably be running out one to seventeen. Yeah, based on that bench. Yeah, I mean maybe if Oggy's got some lingering concussion effects, Ray Stone or Kibben Hickgrave comes in, but they're one to seventeen for mine. All right, well, just looking at those team lists, you know, and putting out of our minds the last four games, we should win this game in a canter. Yes, you'd think. Yeah. Um, but that's again putting out our recent history. <laughs> like we just need to get up for this game. Yep. Um, the, the, it's as simple as that. The the way to get back into form is to have a a, a gift game like this. And that's what we've been crying out for, is to play an opponent who's in worse form than us. So, uh, yeah, yeah. What, what else can you say? The, 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 I mean, fundamentally, that's what it is, isn't it, Hamish? It's, this is a game you need to win. This is a game you should win. This is a game you can go out and, and use it as that circuit breaker, as that reset switch. Get some you know positive results out there, a bit of momentum and attack and, and a chance to back yourself and, and your teammates and capitalise on it. And you know, conversely, if you come out and produce the same as what you've been doing, the Cowboys will win this, and they'll win it by a couple of tries. Um, even as you know, like like you sort of jested when we go through that team, was that they've they've made some of these guys up. Like who who are these players? You know, they've got Jake Granville playing in the centres. They've got uh, you know a Nanai and a, you know a Gilbert on the bench that you've never heard of. Uh, and yet the way we're playing, it's going to be a real contest. So yeah, got to come out, got to wipe the last month of football off their minds, and and just get back to even if it's not razzle dazzle, just you know run strong, back up, and and just execute the the simple things. And that's what we haven't been doing at all, and that's why we're getting uh, we're starting each game in such a hole and and in such a deficit. 
So, yeah, I mean, you look at that lineup. Valentine Holmes has been mediocre at fullback this year, and that centre pairing, especially Jack Granville, I think he's going to be up against Will Penasini, people are saying. So that's definitely a matchup. I mean, regardless if it was Wonga Blake or Will Penasini, you want to be giving both our centres early ball, but whoever's up against Granville, they're definitely going to go after them. Um, Hampton's a, a decent utility back, but he's another person you can attack on the wing. Um, and you know, in the halves, Drinkwater's actually a little bit of a spark plug. He goes okay, but Dearden's got an error in him, so you want to keep pressuring him. And then and through the middle, their, their pack is very medium. So that, that we should not be getting hammered in the ruck this week, and that, that is significant. We cannot give up the ruck by any margin. Correct. Yeah, so you were a bit too kind to the Cowboys there on a nine-loss streak. Oh, my goodness. Streak. I wasn't even close. I said six. Holy dooly. Yeah, that is uh, – so we've, we've got the Melbourne Storm breaking consecutive win records and whatnot, and then you've got the Cowboys going nine. We've got, we got to make it double digits. We cannot be the team that lets them get off that, uh, that string of uh, duck eggs. But they beat the oh, Warriors. Oh. oh, mate. The fact is they got Granville in the centres and we got, you know, the up-and-coming, uh, you know, prodigious talent in Pinacini. If we if he doesn't get the ball, like, he, we have to target. Like, seriously, target the weakest link and you target a backup hooker. Is This isn't a guy who's a utility bitch like, utility player like Kurt Mann. This is legit backup hooker. It's like putting Joey Lusick in there. So just target him. And, you know, as you said, 40, the pack is medium. If we don't, if the forwards don't stand up and... Like we need it, we need this win. It's a must-win game, mm-hmm. right? And it's an easy kill. So like, there's no arrogance about it. But you have to win this. Yep. But just because it's an easy kill doesn't mean you can turn up there half-assed. You know, we're gonna get flogged. So to play, so the forwards. Like, if I'm from the four pack, I'm pretending this is a storm pack or this is the the Panthers pack. I'm talking, you know, rep star level quality where you've got to get, let you get over the advantage line. Just pretend it's like that. Or if I'm Brad Arthur, get the get the, the goals out. I want you to run for over fifteen hundred meters. You know, because yeah. I think, I think the there's, this, this is a benchmark game for sure that every member of the starting pack should be aiming for 100 metres. And like mm. you said, uh, whether it's 1,500 or 2,000 overall metres, there should be a team benchmark uh, so that the wingers and, and the centres. And the thing is that we know that Wanga Blake and Will Penasini will contribute uh, the meterage. The the challenge will be on Mike Acevo and Hayes Dunster and Quinton Gufferson, who's really struggled for impact in the last month. I don't think he's even come close to 100 metres for a few weeks. So uh, that that's the goal. But I think that's a, a great point is – Set that benchmark both individually and for the team, and and just tell them to, to tear away, to rip in, to to go at it, and you know this is your chance. Um, yeah, that's about all that can be said, isn't it? You, you can't be the team to lose to this team. Like it's no. just uh, um, you, you're this saying, is where winning needs to start. You were saying uh, prior to us recording that you like the moves in vacuum. Um, I feel like they are good. I like Murata going back to the edge. He struggled for a bit of a traction in the middle for a few weeks now, and maybe. Getting him out wide with a bit more space will be a chance to unleash him a bit more. We all love the Penasini move. That, that, that is a move that could have been made a couple of weeks ago, I feel like. So um, I think we're all in on Will Penasini. Um, Papali'i in the forward pack, sorry, in the in the front row. I'm still a little bit iffy on because last week he really struggled. But uh, I mean, I'll give him a chance to come good there because he's been so dominant in general. Um, but yeah, and then I think Hayes on the right flank is making the, the best of a pretty mediocre situation in general. Uh, you couldn't go back to Oldfield after what happened last week and with uh, Fergo nicked up and, and no one else really settled on the right edge. Because there's Sean Russell, but he's played all year on the left edge. Uh, and on top of that, he's you know still a, a young lad that's got plenty of growing to do. So, yeah, I think we're making the most of a pretty ordinary situation right now. This is the frustrating yeah, bit, right? Sorry, this, I was going to say, this is the frustrating bit. Like, before, obviously, um, before we flew up there for, for, for COVID, right? Like, if, if we're all doing well, this is a game where we rest our stars yep. and we sort of put the youngsters in, right, and, yep. like, refreshing it. And now, 
we get desperate. We, we, we need to play. We need to win. Like it's the opposite. That's what's so frustrating. You need all your like, players, all your gun players, in here and a, a chance to get them to reload and reset. Yeah, mm. I mean that's what losing does, mate. And it it sucks. <laughs> but yeah, this this is given that we've got the Storm and the Panthers the weeks after. I mean, this game is massive. It, it doesn't mean anything for ladder seating anymore because we can't catch it. Mm. I mean, if we win out, yes, we can improve our ladder seating by on other results. But you know, we've got to beat Melbourne and Penrith by some margin too, in terms of for and against, and then rely on results. So this is such a critical game, even though it doesn't impact the ladder at all. It's crazy. Uh, this is your, your chance to hit the reset switch and, and build something that resembles momentum. So yeah, very interested to see how this one goes. Uh, and I, I don't know. Like It's it's weird. We go into this game with almost zero expectations, despite the fact that we know we should win this one. So it, it provides an interesting spectating experience. Yeah, I might watch the game this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did yourself a favor last week. Oh my goodness, that was miserable. Oh. Uh, the last two weeks, I've switched off at uh, halftime. I, I sucked and- it up, but uh, only because I get the vent straight away on the tip sheet. <laughs> we do the instant reaction straight after, and I've had yeah. a chance to to call out coaches and players for uh, the misnomers that are happening there. So yeah, it's uh, I don't blame anyone that switched off early um, across the last two games. Uh, the Roosters game where they gifted us so many opportunities, and you know. And we we couldn't turn it into anything, and then uh, sorry, the Rabbitohs game was the one before that, and and then the Seagulls this week or last week. Yeah, I have to ask you guys, right? So like, we obviously want the win this week. Do you want us to like beat them by fifty, or do you want us to con- let them have them have them concede like less than like six points? Are you like focusing on attack? I, I think or defense I think a good week? a good win where you don't give up many points is better than an absolute thrashing where you maybe concede yeah. a, a few tries. Because I think it's just. It, it's sport. It's like it's like Austin Powers, right? You know, it's it's mojo, and someone's just stolen the mojo. You know, Doctor Evil's come in with his stupid comical syringe and taking the mojo away from him. So you just take a good win that you know lets you work on the football one on ones that lets you you know get your timings and and your confidence in each other back. So just got to find that mojo somehow, somewhere, or that or find out that the mojo is still within you all along, which I think is what happened in Austin Powers. Spoilers. Yeah, I think you can't be conceding too many points. We've led him one hundred and thirty points in the last three. Yeah. Years. Games. Defense needs to be a priority, and you seem to. If if we turn up our defense and we score first, I, I you know, we we're a confidence team, and that'll get us up on top. But if we let in a try early, things could spiral yeah. out of control that, quickly, that, like it has an, the last couple of weeks. That's such an underrated point, Hamish. Is that we haven't scored the first try throughout that entire run? I think the Raiders got us with an early double, and that that's the other thing. Is not if we not scored the first try, we literally have not scored the first try in each of those four losses. Is that we've when we've considered one, we've considered two. It's always come yep. in, in clusters. So the Raiders, they literally scored twelve points that entire game, but they went uh, 44-52nd minute. So like in that short little period of time, they went back bang bang. Uh, the Roosters went twenty fourth and twenty seventh minute, fifty first and sixty seventh and seventy fourth minute. So you have one initial cluster and then uh, the sort of like the two one and a half clusters where they're both close to each other either way. Um, against the Rabbitohs, it was the seventeenth and twenty fifth minute for Mansour, the forty third and forty eighth minute for Gagai and Paulo. Uh, so they got they scored in, in clusters twice there, you know, and it completely usurped momentum. And then obviously Manly, they went the third, the sixth, the twentieth, the twenty sixth, the twenty eighth, the fifty eighth, the sixty third, the sixty sixth. Well, to be fair, anything past the fifty eighth minute is a little bit of a, a wipeout because we're playing for eleven men. So it's got that 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 doesn't really feed uh, fair data into that point. But they still scored in clusters early on in that game. So we, we've just been so so low on resilience. You know, considering a try is okay, it's going to happen in contests. But if you go bang bang every time, you're just, you're usurping any chance of of getting into the competition, into the contest, into the grind. And that's it's what's like Bronco esque. You know, they're, yeah. they're they're okay for a while, but as yep. soon as the damn wall bursts, 
their heads drop and then they just concede from the kickoff. You that's know, fair. like it's just that's fair. Yeah. All right, hey. well, let's go, uh, Birdie. You can start with your uh, predicted yeah. scoreline first try. Score. I'm gonna go with the. I'm gonna go twenty nil win. I just want us to, you know, win twenty. Don't have to score much. Just keep them to zero. Smash them. Keep your tackles up. I want Will Pennsylvania to score the first try. Yeah, that's it, really. I don't, you know, I said I don't, I don't want a fifty nil win. You know, it'll be good, but if you can show me you can, you know, defend well, you know, don't miss your tackles, and even if you win, as, as I said, by three tries, I'm okay with that. That's all I'm asking. I'm not too greedy, am I? <laughs> no, that, that's a great sentiment. Yeah, uh, but other than that, um, yeah, I think like you know, Will when he made his debut, it was like a wet night, and you know, he was doing all right up against Croker. So I'm thinking, you know, this is like, you know, if it's a dry track, you know, he's he's gonna have a, a big game. Right, 40. Yeah, I'll go with uh, Ice as I Papali'i to score first. And I'll go similar to Birdie's prediction, but I'll go 24-8. So once again, getting a, a solid win where uh, it's more about the defensive uh, orientation of the scoreboard than anything else. You, you score some tries, but you're restricting a, a team that you should be restricting defensively to a low score. So I've got us down for an 18-8 win with Penasini first try scorer. Nice. All right, well, um, in a depresso uh, pod this week, Hopefully, uh, next week. Yeah, we'll be a bit more positive. Big positive review after we uh, end up putting a good score on the Cowboys. Knock on wood. Yep. Oh, and by the way, yeah, uh, so, if, um, I was going to say, by the way, listeners of the pod, you know, like we do this, right, of our spare time. We, you know, we're not getting paid for this. We do this because we like this team, right? And this is the same thing for any other content creators, right? Just don't have a go at them. They're doing this, at, you know, they support the team. So just don't abuse them. If you don't like it, just don't just don't watch. Just get off Twitter. You know, I like to get on Twitter with a bit of beef, but I'm not attacking content creators, you know, because they care about their team. So all the haters out there, just piss off, all right? That, that's that's one of the things that always made me laugh about the haters for anything is how invested they are in something they supposedly don't care about. So, <laughs> uh, good call, Betty. All right, too easy. Well, let's uh, wrap up there yeah, on sir. this edition of the Power Pod. Did you have something for oh, me? Oh, no, I was saying, you said, let's wrap it up. I said, yes, sir. But um, because of the old Discord uh, crossfeed, I, I sort of uh, cut out a bit, I think. Uh, my bad. All right, unless you guys wanted to do other sports, I guess the first weekend of our um, NL preseason, which was nice. Yeah. Oh, what about that bomb from Trey Lance, man? Oh, yeah. 80 yards. Yeah, it's a bit of a, co- a quarterback controversy out at uh, San Fran. So I expect yeah. I expect Jimmy to start, but I think that he, Trey Lance will probably jump him sometime during the season. And then, um, oh, your boy Jordan Love did okay, um, Hamish. He did all right. All yeah, he didn't look terrible train. against behind nothing. Yeah, <laughs> you know that wasn't our first starting. Um, that, that's the thing. So, the, yeah, first, the, first, the first game is so hard to derive anything about the overall former teams because it's just second and third stringers, um, and, and yeah. maybe one or two defensive guys getting a start that are you know somewhat closer starters. It's uh, you know, we took on the Las Vegas Raiders in their new stadium, Seattle, and we we literally played. I think zero offensive starters, maybe one, and then a couple of defensive starters. So can't derive too much from that one. Justin Fields yeah, looked all right. No, I don't think he can derive anything. Yeah, he's all right. Uh, look, I, I think it's just, um, as you said, like, you know, if you're an NFL fan, you know these trials, like, literally the, the first team, the first starters, they literally do one drive and they hop off. So this is more about depth and if you're, you know, looking for the future. So, and that, that's the exciting part of it is it's like a mad scrap for the, the guys at the back end of the roster to win a spot and that's where some of the cool preseason storylines come out of you know the battlers and and the guys taking that chance well i think they're gonna cut down to 85 um this week so mm-hmm. yeah first still, first still, wave of cuts is up on us yeah yeah and then, and then down to 55 i believe plus eight on the ir so yeah other than that um yeah i no, think that's cool. all yeah your rays had a big win today birdie yeah, I didn't. I didn't. To be honest, I didn't watch it. I just I get notifications. Uh, every time they win, I think they're I think they're leading their division. I believe they are. I think Cruz went uh went yard twice today. Big Nelly Cruz. Yeah. So. 
my Mariners are staying in the hunt for a wild card, so they're, they're doing all right because they're probably still in their rebuild and they're sort of not expected to make a proper tilt for, until next year or the year after. So it's been a fun ride. But yeah, and then not much else. Basketball's all done now. A bit of uh, roster work being done and whatnot. And I think uh, it's summer league, mate. What are you talking well, about? Well, that's true. Some, oh, we, yeah. we talk about uh, fun storylines about guys trying to get a spot and the summer league's on. So, yeah, but they it peels back, and uh, the good yeah, thing is they are full crowds, you know. So that's something like us league fans should look forward to next year. You know, once everyone gets a jab, so yeah, it's good. You know, it's good to see the crowds back. It is. It's it's good to just have all these other sporting competitions back in full swing after they they got frozen out for a while too. So nice. All right. Well, let's wrap it up there on uh, this edition of the Power Podcast, and hopefully we'll be uh, celebrating with sweet cheers, cheers, cheers. Yeah. Nice guys. Bye.